77771. Good morning, and welcome to worship at Grace Lutheran Church on this Sunday, July 4th, 2021. Whether you are joining us in the building here or live streaming from home through Facebook or Zoom, we are glad that you are with us. A couple announcements today for the good of the community. Um, we will, um, wow, one already left. This is why I write them down. Okay. A couple of prayer updates this morning. You may remember that we've been praying uh, with hope and joy for Barb Bauer's niece, Katie, um, after her difficult miscarriage last year, um, that she was pregnant again. She gave birth this last week to a very healthy baby boy, for which we are deeply, deeply grateful. Um, in harder news, as we um, continue in our prayer list, you may remember we've also been praying for Sue and Sandy's niece-in-law, Jen, Two months ago, we were able to announce with joy that Jen, after a long time, uh, long battle with cancer, was in remission. Unfortunately, she's just received the news that the cancer has returned and spread um, and metastasized. At this point, the outlook is not, the prognosis is not a positive one, um, which means that they are once again on that terrible roller coaster of chronic illness and cancer where every day is a gift and also a question. So we will return Sue and Sandy's niece-in-law, Jen, to our prayers and continue to hold her and her family in hope and love. For the next, uh, not this Sunday, obviously, but for the next two Sundays, our illustrious leader, John, will be on vacation, well-deserved. Um, and so we will be um, having Amy Fields and Barb Bauer filling in at the piano for him. When John returns, he and I will be having a conversation about um, the Delta variant and um, vaccination rates and comfort levels in the congregation. And at that time, we'll make another sort of judgment call. What broke? Great. Can we get a, like two more able-bodied folks? Eric, thank you. Bless you. Doug, thank you. Bless you. Um, to go and move. Some. Thanks, John. All right, great. It's just too breezy out. So that's a perfect example. We'll be having a conversation um, towards the end of July about the next steps for worship in the congregation, what our congregational comfort levels are about particularly singing indoors when we're masked. We know that singing, indoor, uh, singing expels more air droplets and so that elevates the risk. So we'll be taking a lot of factors into consideration. So that decision will be made um, and discussed towards the end of July. So please, uh, when Barb and Amy are here, welcome them with joy um, as they lead us in worship. Well, I was going to ask Janet if she had anything to mention, but she's outside saving the canopies. Um, God bless her. So um, I will say I know that we are moving towards uh, for this coming month's community dinner towards the end of the month. It'll be the last Saturday in July. We'll be moving towards an in-house service. So what will happen is that we'll be transitioning from the drive-up meals that we've been doing for our community dinner once a month into in-house service. So food will be served in the multi-purpose room. What we'll be asking people to do is wear a mask while they go through the buffet line, um, as most restaurants are asking people to do when you're at a buffet. Um, 
since we don't have sneeze guards, also that helps. And then obviously they can remove the masks when they're seated at their tables. So that's the plan. We'll let you know um, in the coming weeks if we need additional volunteers to pull that community dinner off. That's everything I have in our announcements this morning, so I'd like to invite our intern, Pastor Erica, up to the front to lead us in the confession, forgiveness, and prayer. Let us pray. With wonder and hope, we turn to God, the creator, liberator, and sustainer. Amen. We lift ourselves to God, who turned the muck and mud of chaos into the beauty of creation, who broke the bonds of slavery for the children of Israel, who taught a whole people how to be responsible for one another who spoke through the prophets to call those in power to change and to bring those at the edges back into wholeness, who made themselves incarnate in a poor carpenter of Jewish descent under Roman power, Jesus Christ, who healed the sick and fed the hungry, who challenged the righteous to welcome the forgiven, who knew suffering and died and yet showed the compassion showed that compassion cannot stay dead, who promised a spirit that would keep us one in truth and love. We lift ourselves in all our mess, our best and worst, our grateful and our grieving, our well done and our worn out, and all the boring or unresolved in between, to say we are apart and can still feel distant we were anxious and can still feel distrustful. We were angry and can still be resentful. We were asked to do so much and can still feel unappreciated. So here we are, trying to believe again. Drawn into the spirit, we can be one again. Held in the care of Jesus, we can learn to trust again. Freed in the mercy of the Creator, we can forgive again. Made in the image of God, we can honor ourselves again. We will continue with the prayers of intercession. And after each petition, we will end with God of love and the response to hear our prayer. Gathered by the Holy Spirit and fed by the world, we come together as the people of God to pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Gracious God, we pray for the church throughout the world, that you guide in all its endeavors and inspire it to proclaim the gospel with boldness. God of love, we pray for earth and sky, seas and deserts, plant and animal habitats, that your good creation thrive and flourish. God of love. We pray for leaders eager to show mercy, that your justice spreads to all nations, 
and that all may celebrate freedom from oppression. Hear us, O God, God of love. We pray for this assembly, for those who are visiting, those who are traveling, especially on this holiday weekend, and those who cannot be with us today, that all experience Christ's presence and peace. God of love. Lord, we pray for those who have recent illnesses and hospitalizations, especially Barb's niece, Kristen, Randy's friend, Ray, Maggie Hare's sister, Ruth, and Nakia Brown. We also pray for those who are in hospice, especially Susan's friend, Irma, and those who are in the diagnosis of cancer, especially Lori's brother-in-law, Craig, Jan's friend, Darlene, Marilyn's friend, Janice's granddaughter, Lily, Marco Fields, Sarah's mentor, Mary, Elmer's nephew, Doug, Brian's friend, Tim, Bob Durkee, and Susan and Sandy's niece-in-law, Jen. God of love. We remember with gratitude all the saints who endured persecutions for the sake of Christ. Uphold us also with your all-sufficient grace until we join them at the heavenly banquet. God of love. Lord, in those saints, we remember the passings of Daryl's brother, Raymond, Barb's aunt, Dorothy, Eric's friend, Thomas's brother, Stephen, Adam Richard Johnson, Britt's mom's friend, Terry, and former St. Paul's member, Carrie Korblick. God of love. Lord, we also remember in this time of pandemic, in this time of grief, the COVID deaths in the United States, which have reached over 605,000, and the additional worldwide deaths that have amounted to 3,365,000. In this time of grief together, we ask, God of love. And Lord, we also rejoice, especially today, especially this week, we rejoice in Barb Bauer's niece, Katie, who gave birth to a healthy baby boy this past week. God of love. Into your hands, loving God, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in the grace of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Whatever else you hear this day, this week, and this year, may you know the incredible, unending, fiercely protective, deeply compassionate love God offers to you. May you hear the invitation to be found by Jesus at whatever table where you gather. May you feel the Spirit's wide reach to bind us all to each other, no matter where we are. Amen. This is normally the time when I graciously invite the children of the congregation to come forward. And it has been reminded me in the past weeks 
that it is not uncommon for us to be short on kids during the summer. Apparently they are out of school and on vacation. Apparently there has been something stressful going on in the world and they might need some additional rest or finally get to see family when they could not earlier. So we have transitioned from an object lesson that is dependent on children to an object lesson that is expectant of all to participate. And that will be that we will be reading through the Hebrew Bible stories in the Spark Story Bible, which we use in our Sunday school. Um, it is a particularly delightful um, story Bible, in my opinion. So if there were children, I'd be inviting them to come sit right here so they could see as I turn the pages. But don't worry, we also will have it up on the screen. Solomon builds the temple. David was a great king for God's people. God told David that his son Solomon would build a temple. When Solomon became the king, he wanted to build a temple so God could live there. He wanted the temple to be the most dazzling, amazing building ever built. Solomon decided he would build the temple out of beautiful and expensive materials. First, Solomon told his workers to dig large stones out of the ground. I don't want God to hear any loud building noises here, Solomon told the workers. You need to measure, cut, and shape the stones out in the hills before you bring them here. The workers did what Solomon told them to do. Next, Solomon told his workers to make the roof and the floor out of a hard, sturdy wood called cedar. Carve designs of flowers into the cedar wood and decorate the temple with the carvings, Solomon directed. The nice smell and elegant designs will make God happy. The workers did what Solomon told them to do. Finally, Solomon made a room especially for God. Cover the entire room in gold, he said. The workers did what Solomon told them to do, and the room glowed and shimmered. When the temple was finished, Solomon put a special box called the Ark of the Covenant into the room of gold. The people had put God's Ten Commandments in the box. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, God was there too. The people went to the temple every day to worship God. The temple was the most impressive building ever built for God, and God was happy to live in the temple Solomon built. One of the reasons that I very much like this story Bible is it has prompts at the end of each story. And it says, the people worshiped God in the temple to feel close to God. Where do you feel close to God? And as we ponder on that Hebrew Bible reading, we'll hear the rest of the scripture readings from Jennifer Fisher. The first reading is from Psalm 48. Great is the Lord, let us sing praises while we stand in the city of God. The Lord's holy mountain, high into the skies, is the joy of all the earth, and the city of the great king. In its strong walls we have seen who God is, a sure defense, a fortress against danger. 
When kings of, of other nations drew together, thinking to attack and destroy, they saw the holy city and trembled. They went into a panic and fled. This is what we have heard and seen in the city of the Lord of heaven, the city of God, which God has established forever. As we stand in your temple, O God, we think on your steadfast and faithful love. Your name, O God, like your praise, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with victory. Let your city be glad and the towns rejoice. Walk around the city, count the towers, consider the walls, go through its barred doors, that you may tell your children, this is our God, our God forever and ever. Next reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I know a person who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. I do not know if it was only their spirit taken up or their body too, but God knows. And I know that this person was taken up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. I brag about that person. I will brag about that person, but on my own behalf I will not brag, only about my weaknesses. But remember, if I wish to brag about myself, I will not be a fool because I am speaking the truth. But I will not do it so that no one will think better of me, but will pay attention to what is seen, seen in me or heard from me. Even though the revelations were exceptional, I will not talk about them. To keep me from being too proud, I have a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of evil that torments me and keeps me from too much joy. I have asked God about these three times, asking that it would be taken away. But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will brag joyfully about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and disasters for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Holy wisdom, holy words. To God. The good news from Mark chapter 6, 1 through 13. After he had raised the little girl from death, Jesus left and went, into, went to his hometown, and his disciples went with him. On the Sabbath day, when all the town was gathered at the synagogue, he began to teach, and the many were, who heard him were shocked. They whispered, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Don't his sisters live right in this town with us? And they were offended by him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets have honor everywhere except in their own hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could not do, and he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on the, on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went among the villages to teach. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. He said to them, "Take nothing for your journey except a walking stick." 
Take no bread or bag or money. You may wear sandals, but only one tunic, but take only one tunic. When you enter the house, stay there until you leave the town. Do not move from house to house. But if anywhere will not if anywhere will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a witness against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should be should repent. They cast out deem, many demons and anointed, anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Praise to you, O Christ. And the temple that Solomon built was the most beautiful building God had ever lived in. Walk around the city, count the towers, consider the walls, go through its barred doors that you may tell your children, this is our God, our God forever and ever. America, America, thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. It is so easy, isn't it, to draw the lines between the glory of the temple and the glory of what we've understood as the American dream, of our God forever and ever established in a country of religious freedom and political opinions. What great lines can be drawn? Thine alabaster cities gleam, just like that holy city of Israel, just like the city the psalmist cast in the vision, just like the holy city where the temple was built. We know the trouble with paying too much attention to history, don't we? The moment we start to pay too much attention to our American history, we find out that it was not just gleaming alabaster cities, not just our God forever and ever, not just a new vision of the most beautiful building God had ever lived in. Paying too much attention to history tells us that even at the beginning of this country, there were prophets unaccepted in their hometown. Abigail Adams frantically writing lines to her husband saying, when you declare independence, remember the women, because in the Declaration of Independence they had specifically stated, all men are created equal. And sometimes we like to say that those phrases are antiquated, and of course now we know that men meant everyone, and now we know to use men and women, but they couldn't have known that 200 years ago. And yet the moment we pay enough attention to our history, we find Abigail's letters saying, remember the women. Or, as Lin-Manuel Miranda would put it, we're going to compel Thomas Jefferson to put women in the sequel. Prophets unaccepted in their hometown are scattered throughout our history. People who stood up in the midst of the American dream of that promise of independence, liberty, freedom for all, and cried out, 
what is all? Like Frederick Douglass writing, what to the slave is the 4th of July? Like Martin Luther King Jr. crying out for the vision that has been cast over and over throughout Christian faithful history of a place where people would not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Like Harvey Milk, who dared to be an out politician and lost his life for it. Throughout our history, if we pay too much attention, there are prophets unaccepted in their hometown. Of course, interrupting that would be Jesus' terrible instructions for how to spread the gospel. Did we notice that? Jesus' absolutely horrific business plan? Take nothing for your journey but a walking stick, no bread, no bag, no money, one tunic, meaning, of course, that they wouldn't be able to comfortably sleep outside. They would mean to rely, as we've sometimes phrased it, on the kindness of strangers. This miraculous thing that perhaps in contemporary language we call mutual aid, where the disciples show up with something to offer, the message of Jesus' promises of healing and liberation, and the people who receive them offer something too. Bread, a place to sleep, a home to stay in. When we pay too much attention to American history, we recognize how often we forgot that. That we have come stomping into countries, our own and others, our own, which was never truly our own, and decided that we had everything and the people living there had nothing, and that we had the right to take what we wanted and had no sharing or mutual aid with them. We came in thinking we had everything. We came in thinking that we needed to chase out the native indigenous people, that we needed to take them into residential schools, the horrors of which are being once more revealed in Canada, but are surely also buried in the land of America as well. We came into African countries, destroyed cultures, and enslaved people. We came into our own homes and said that women and children would be degraded and unwanted, unimportant. We started to draw lines between immigrant communities in which somehow we created a category called white. We have a difficult history, and it is easier sometimes not to pay attention. We have a difficult history because we forgot that offer of mutual aid. We forgot to listen to the prophets unaccepted in our hometown. We forgot the one time, I think, for you all know that I have some difficulty with Paul, that Paul got it right in saying power is made perfect in weakness. Wherever I am weak, then I am strong. He gets it right, if you may notice, for about two sentences, because the two paragraphs beforehand are him talking about, well, I know someone who was caught up into the third heaven. I won't, I won't boast about myself, but I will boast about them, and I happen to know every single detail about them, and I'm not going to give their name, and it's not me. It's, I, this, is, this is a friend. Oh, bless him. But he did get that right. Power perfect in weakness. Where power is not something that is meant to dominate and take over, power is meant to work alongside, to be offered for the sharing of a whole community that can nurture people who are nurturing us. So what then do we do when we look too closely at our own history? 
How do we shake off the dust of what has still clung to the American and Christian church, shake off the dust of what has been inhospitable to the message of healing and freedom offered in Jesus, inhospitable to the promised and the best dreams of America? Well, we are obligated sometimes to remember, to remember what has happened. We are obligated when we shake off that dust to repent of it, to recognize the violence that has been done to so many marginalized communities in the name of America or the name of Jesus or horrifically sometimes both. And we are obligated to to remember that we receive from others, that we are not coming in as the brightest and best in the room every time, but rather that each of us has something to share and to receive. We are not required to beat ourselves down and make ourselves absolutely nothing, but rather to recognize we have something to set on the table and so do everyone else around it, like a grand and glorious cultural, philosophical, religious potluck. When we are willing to shake off that dust, when we are willing to pay enough attention to our history, to recognize the prophets unaccepted in the hometown, to recognize how dearly we need to return to that promise of hospitality and mutual aid that Jesus offered his disciples, when we begin to do that, then we can begin to say, America, America, God, mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. Amen.